0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. This is The Witch of Raymire's Hollow, written by Katie, read by me. That's the format of the show. We're going to explore it together. Let's just jump in. So you know our curses and witchcraft aren't real, right? Yes, Katie, I absolutely do. None of it's real. How about traditional folk remedies and natural cures for things hmm might be a little bit more believable but honestly we'll get into this later and let me tell you now a lot of things conceived of in 1820 do not hold up yeah natural cures fine traditional folk remedies i'm sure there's some stuff that works all i require is that if there's some old remedy from the past let's just give it to some scientists and they can do some double line studies with placebos and such and see if it actually works that's that's how they figure things out and then they're like oh yeah were people eating like tree bark in the past because it had like penicillin or like some painkiller in it and people were like like, this tree bark makes you better, I'd be, and I'd be like, please, and then they'd test it. They'd be like, oh, because it contains this like penicillin drug or whatever, and it would be great. And then I'd be like, cool, all we just need to do is test it. Then I'm fine with natural cures. Today we're looking at the story of the so-called witch Nelson Raymire and the people who murdered him who became known as the York Hex Slayers. Saying that three times fast. <laughs> it is a mouthful. Thanks to YouTube commenter Trevin Lieb for suggesting this topic. So now let's head back to a small town in Pennsylvania, usa in the year 1928 to find out how far some people are willing to go to lift a curse how far some people are willing to go to get rid of something that never existed in the first place because it's not real what was going on in stewartstown in 1928 1928 doesn't seem that long ago when you look at it written down it doesn't (laughs) it's like a hundred years ago it was it was before my grandparents were born. A lot of people watching this episode were probably born in 19-something, and it's a time period we have loads of knowledge about, as it was post-World War One, There were photos, people had radios and cars and all sorts of stuff. It was nearly a century ago now, but it's not like it was the Dark Ages or anything like that. So why were there so many witches around? But according to my research, if you stroll through what later became known as Stewartstown, Pennsylvania, you'd be falling over witches left right and center we're obviously not talking the pointy hatted warty nosed variety here we're talking about powwow doctors or people who use natural remedies and incantations in a, so- in a strange sort of Christian slash folk magic blend to cure people of whatever ailed them or provide protections, etc. Actually, it sounds pretty like the pointy-hatted warty-nose variety, but there you go. Are these like early fake, you know, like, AND THE LORD JESUS COMES DOWN INTO YOU AND REMOVES THE DEMON FROM YOUR BODY? You know, those uh, televangelists, like, faith healers. That's the word I'm looking for. These, like, early versions of that. <laughs> What a crock of shit. I guess this is more what we might call white magic as opposed to black magic, but as there was also a strong religious vein running through it, it probably wasn't cool to call it outright magic anyway. There were a lot of German immigrants in Pennsylvania, and over the centuries, they brought over their traditional practices of healing, which became known as powwow, or slightly more dramatically, Braucherei. I was going to make a snarky comment about how, even though penicillin had been discovered, this type of folk medicine was still going strong, but I looked it up and penicillin was literally only discovered two months before the events of this episode so maybe I'll cut them a tiny bit of slack yeah it's gonna take a bit of a while for penicillin to enter the mainstream um also like we've got <laughs> people are still like a couple of years ago people were like oh well I don't want that covid vaccine but I've been taking a little sip of bleach every day <laughs> I've literally been drinking bleach and uh, that's because that's what I believe in like, even today, when we have a wide host of antibiotics and antivirals and uh, vaccines and all that stuff, people are still like, no, 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 just rather go to the witch doctor. The witch doctor being some dodgy websites or uh, some Alex Jones star character who's selling you something that doesn't work allegedly. Anyway, in this area of Pennsylvania, at least being a powwow doctor was quite a popular side gig for a lot of people. One of them being Nelson Raymire, a fifty-nine-year-old farmer who lived by himself in a house that is now known as Raymire's Hollow or Hex Hollow. So. What was up with Nelson then? And why was he blasted for being a wit as opposed to just your common or garden variety powwow practitioner? Well, actually, it all starts with another witch, Nellie Noll. This was more of a nickname, I think, because I've seen a couple of variations on her name, but this is the one that stuck for obvious fairy tale-sounding reasons. She was known as the Rit- River Witch of Marietta. So I guess being an out-and-out witch was okay, as long as you weren't going around hexing and cursing all and sundry. Anyway, if there weren't enough witches, clogging up the place here's another to add to the cauldron john blimer i'm sorry about all the ambiguously pronounced surnames by the way just pick one to stick with simon and good luck oh i'll probably even change their names that blimer Blymer. blimer I- i'll just i'll just variate it you know it makes it more entertaining doesn't it <laughs> it's more fun that way and it's easier for me it's good for engagement as well. This also goes out on YouTube. So there's a comment section below. And they, people will be like, Oh, it's actually... Blah, blah, blah. And uh, thank you for the engagement. The Three Witches. John Blymer was born in 1895 and had met Nelson Raymire when he, John, was a child. Raymire had successfully performed a powwow remedy on him to cure him of a supposed hex that was causing him to waste away. Later on, Blymer worked on Raymire's farm digging potatoes, so they definitely knew each other. According to the Encyclopedia of Witches, Witchcraft, and Wicca, Raymire was seen as, quote, a brooding giant of a man who reportedly could conjure Beelzebub one of the major demons of hell better make sure you dig those potatoes properly then boy (laughs) as he grew older blimey wasn't a particularly charismatic or popular chap but he also dabbled in powwow cures and according to the encyclopedia again he had modest successes as a witch by the time he was 17, however, Blymere started to be afflicted by the wasting disease he had as a child and had been unlucky with money. He began to think that the Hex was back and he started to become obsessed with finding out how to break the curse. He needed to find out who had cursed him in order to lift it and he spent an absolute ton of money asking other witches to perform spells to work it out but nothing ever came of it and the Hexer was still unknown. What a surprise. It's, it's kind of weird that a guy who's like sort of a witch himself goes to other witches because if you're a witch yourself on you're like well i know it's not real or are you that delusional because i know there's people who are like think they're witches today and do curses and shit, like edgy teenagers or whatever and it's like but you know it's not real because it doesn't work it's never worked and you see that firsthand so why would you then think that it works for other people it's gotta be just some delusion, right? Blymere's health continued to be bad, and eventually, by 1928, at the age of 33, he was ill, divorced, and suffering from other episodes of frequent bad luck. He met a 14-year-old called John Curry who had a very hard life thus far, and also thought he had a hex on himself. With this small piece of validation, the two became friends, and Blymere's search for the person who would hexed him carried on. Eventually he found old Nellie Knoll, and apparently had six sessions with her at $5 a pop that's a lot more money today <laughs> I guess that's why being a witch was so popular adjusting for inflation that cost blind air over 80 dollars a time wow and is that expensive I feel like if you go to the, the I don't know how much is the doctor in America if you don't have insurance? It's probably more than $80. And that's what these guys thought they were doing. They thought it we were getting some cure for some problem. It's going to cost more than $80 to go to the doctor, right? In, like, America. Without insurance. Surely. Doctors are expensive. I know. Medical school is expensive. they got to pay those bills. And had seen over twenty witches prior to finding Noel. I think I can see where his money problems were coming from. Eventually, obviously not in the first session, you've got to keep them coming back for more. Noel revealed to Blymere that the person who had cast the hex over his life was none other than Nelson Raymar. By this point, Raymar was estranged from his wife and children, was living by himself in the two-story home on his farm. Blymere was surprised that his old acquaintance was actually a powerful witch who had cursed him so effectively. But he now knew that he had to lift the hex. Is he going to murder this dude just because some woman told him that he had a had a hex put on him by this dude? None of this is real. <laughs> None of them are real. They're all just telling each other a story and someone's going to get murdered. <laughs> According to Noll, he either had to cut off a lock of Raymire's hair and bury it six to eight feet down, or he had to find and burn Raymire's copy of what was basically the Powwow Bible, a famous book called Powwow or The Long Lost Friends by John-, John George Hommen. Well, that's actually not too bad. Just go nick his book and bury it in the grounds. Not complicated. Oh, sorry, he had to burn the book or bury the hair. I feel both of these are not really insurmountable. Definitely a lot lighter than murdering him, which is just what I assumed had to happen. This he dies, right? Didn't we say he died? The, the, the main dude, the Raymire dude? This had originally been published in 1820 and collected together all the traditional remedies and incantations that were practiced by the Pennsylvania Dutch community. More on this in a second. Handily, all told Blymire that Raymire had also hexed his friend John Curry and another man who had recently asked Blymire for help. This other cursed man had a son called Wilbert Hass, who was about 18. Oh my god could there be more characters in this story (laughs) okay now the stage is set for the final showdown but first i want to sidetrack for a minute to give simon a bit of a laugh oh i'm enjoying i'm having a laugh already because it's all so silly there have been mentions of powwow and incantations so far so let's take a look at some of the examples given in the book the long lost friend i suppose this will come off as us mocking the beliefs of a bunch of early 20th century rural types but honestly you need to hear some of these things oh i got no problem mocking people Have you listened to this channel before? <laughs> Mocking people is my thing. Here's what to do if somebody's saying untrue things about you. This is a quote. A good remedy against calumnation or slander. Take off your shirt and turn it wrong side out, and then run your two thumbs along your body, close under the ribs, starting at the pit of the heart, down to the thighs. <laughs> oh, so you're just like doing this. You're <laughs> with your shirt off. I'm just like, if you're listening to this, I'm doing what they described. From like the pit of the heart, so I guess like the sternum, down the ribs to the thighs. Just doing this over and over again. <laughs> what are you doing? The good news is now one's, now no one's gonna be slandering me anymore. I'll go onto Twitter and no one's talking shit about me. It's gonna be wonderful. I'll just do it every morning. And hey, that's all there is to it. And if it doesn't work, you obviously weren't starting from the pit of your heart properly. Here's another one that apparently Blymere himself practiced effectively. <laughs> A very good and certain means of destroying the wheel in the eye. Take a dirty plate. If you have none, you can easily dirty one. (laughs) No shit. And the person for whom you are using sympathy shall, in a few minutes, find the pain much relieved. Wait, what are you doing with the plate? You're just taking the plate? Oh, okay, sorry, it's old like descriptions of things. They don't always get it in the right order. You must hold that side of the plate or dish which is used in eating toward the eye. While you hold the plate before the eye, you must say, Dirty plate, I press thee. Wheel in the eye to flee. (laughs) Why are you doing people in the past? let's have a couple more for the road (laughs) to banish the whooping cough cut three small branches of hair from the crown of the head of a child who has never seen its father sew this hair up in an unbleached rag and hang it around the neck of the child having the whooping cough the thread with which the rag is sewn must also be unbleached what are you talking about again it's a great example of like how they wrote shit in the floor in the past this is the sort of thing like I have a lot of writers who write scripts for me obviously if a writer wrote that I'd be like yo just say unbleached thread don't say so it with a thread. The thread which has to be um The thread also has to be unbleached. Just say unbleached thread. Don't use unnecessary words because everyone gets bored by unnecessary words and they click off. Kind of like these unnecessary words. Please keep watching. Imagine if you were the only child in town who hadn't seen their father. The money you could make selling hair. I guess a lot of fakers who had seen their dads got in on this action, though. As the cure is followed by, quote, another remedy for the whooping cough which has cured the majority of those who have applied it, thrust the child having the whooping cough three times through a blackberry bush without speaking or saying anything. The bush, however, must be grown fast at the two ends, and the child must be thrust through three times in the same manner. That is to say, from the same side, it was thrust through in the first place. Okay, just say thrust through the same side. Jesus, people in the past, why did you... Were you getting paid by the words? I mean, good lord, yikes. And apparently, this was effective in the majority of cases. I wonder how many people tried it. Maybe any child being shoved through a thorny bush multiple times in grim silence was too scared to ever cough again. This book and the stuff in it was still being used in 1928. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago, but it's also like 1928, really? The First World War was done. (laughs) But well, we still like, push the kid through the blackberry bush, he's got that weeping cough. <laughs> I mean, I get that there are things you can make from herbs and plants that will cure things, but some of this stuff is totally ridiculous. Anyway, Nellie Noir had, had told John Blymere to find Raymire's copy of the book and burn it, and lo, the hex would be lifted. Blymere was a bit scared of Raymire's powers, however, so he asked his young friends John Curry and Wilbur Hess to help him, and thus the seeds for the death of the witch were sown. The witch is dead head. The three men turned up at Raymire's farm one day, but he wasn't there, so they popped in to ask his estranged wife where he was, and she said he was probably in town visiting his new lady friends. They went back past his farm much later that night and saw a light on, so they decided to try again. Blymere chickened out of confronting Raymire about the Hex, though he was also sure Raymire was much more powerful than him and had already worked out what they were trying to do. The three visitors spent the night at the farm before leaving the next morning. Blymere now put a plan in place. And after buying some rope, the three men once again went to Raymer's farm on the night of November the 27th, 1928. They confronted Raymer about the book, but he denied having any knowledge of it. Things got heated, and Blighmer attacked Raymer with Curry and house holding him down. He was tied and strangled with the rope, while also being beaten with a block of wood and kicked until he was dead. The clock in the kitchen stopped at one minute past midnight on what was now Thanksgiving Day. Okay, oh, so they did end up murdering him. Dude, all you had to do, even if he doesn't want to give you the book, just take a piece of his hair and bury it six feet underground. They were, You were told that's just as effective as the book thing, so they'd be like, well, if you don't tell us where the book is, we're going to take a lock of your hair, and he would be like, all right, <laughs> cool. What are you going to do with it? Bury it underground? Okay, go, 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 then get out of here. Come on. Blymer felt immediate relief from the lifting of the curse and said, thank God, the witch is dead. Oh, okay, so if you kill him, the curse is also lifted as well. Okay, well we didn't need to, did we? Nolden said anything about killing to lift the curse, but I guess it must have worked anyway. The men then trashed the place, found a few coins to take, and set Raymere's body and the house on fire to destroy all evidence of their crime. Strangely though, the flames all went out, and even though the house was a wooden one it failed to burn. The body was discovered two days later when a neighbour of Raymere noticed that his mule hadn't been fed and was making a lot of noise. Because Blimer and his chums had spoken to Raimir's his wife about his whereabouts, police quickly honed in on them, and they were all arrested without fuss with Blymere, readily confessing to what they'd done. Ah, you guys are gonna get hanged. While the motive of killing a witch to lift a curse might have brought some sympathy with the jury of his peers, the judge for Blymere's trial refused to have any mention of witchcraft, hexes, or curses allowed in their statements, confessions, or during the trial. Excellence it's nonsense this is kind of weird as the whole thing was planned under the idea of lifting a hex they were tried with robbery as the motive instead which was pretty ludicrous as while well. they had stolen a bit of money after killing Rayme, it amounted to only a couple of dollars and Rayme was known to be somewhat poor i mean okay mentioning courts court but it shouldn't have like they shouldn't be left off because it's like less off because it's like oh no 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 it's cool it's cool because you were killing a witch maybe it could be a mitigating factor that they thought they were killing a witch but let's not make witches real in court okay of course the whole witchcraft element did come out the trial was known as the york witch trial and the press reported splashy headlines such as burn hermit for casting spell on farmer's family powwow doctor two boys Held for murder witch murder trial starts at york today and murder farmer to get lock of hair to break spell three confess This sent interest in the case worldwide, which also highlighted the practice and belief in powwow cures in Pennsylvania at the time. Far from being some hush-hush, under-the-table type thing, being a powwow doctor was big business, with some getting paid large sums and even getting deeds to people's farms for payment to protect them or shove their kids through blackberry bushes. The York County Medical Society lamented the number of children dying from lack of proper medical intervention, and the whole thing was very embarrassing to York County. In the end, though, justice prevailed and all three men, even John Curry, who was only 14, were found guilty. Curry and Blyamere got life sentences and Hess was sentenced to between 10 and 20 years. Curry and Hess were actually paroled in 1934 after serving only five years or so. Blyamere was eventually paroled in 1953 after serving only 23 years in prison. Only 23 years. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, it does say over. It says over 23 years. I was like, look, how are you going to look at it? 23 years is a long time in prison. They all returned back to York County, living crime-free and quiet lives. Was this actually justice, though? As mentioned, Curry was 14 years old when he was sentenced to life in prison, although he was let out a lot earlier. He was a believer in curses, hexes, and witches, and had been badly let down by the adults in his life, making it easy for him to fall in with Blymear's plans. Wait, Curry got out after 10 or 20 years? He was paroled after only five years? So he was 14, he was paroled after five, he got out at 19? If we're making an argument for him being... Overly punished. I don't think that's really fair. I think that's fine. He was involved in murdering someone He probably like under the modern definition of the law did murder someone and he got out by the time he was an adult I say that's fine. I think him being 14 is a huge mitigating factor, but being let out by the time you're an adult, that seems okay. Blimire himself was also clearly suffering from some sort of mental illness. Okay, I didn't know that. That's obviously a factor as well, as well as the frantic and expensive consultations with various local witches. Oh, I'm sorry, is the—he's uh, the other dude. He's not 14. He'd been through this whole thing with his life, and yeah, 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 that crazy times. He was convinced it was his wife who'd cursed him at one point, and his father-in-law ended up getting him committed to a psychiatric hospital with a diagnosis of borderline psychoneurotic after 48 days. Of- being, that, however, Blymer left by just walking out. His wife divorced him, and no further attempts were made to help him. And this is where it gets dicey for us looking back at the case now, because it wasn't strange or abnormal to believe in hexes and being cursed in this part of the world at the time. It seemed to be quite the norm, in fact, so the mental states of, perp- of the perpetrators weren't really seen as a factor in the case. Nowadays, any murder case involving mentions of witchcraft or curses are looked at very differently, but it must be said that while it was considered an embarrassment back in 1928, even now there are traditions like powwow, healing carried out all over the world. Sure, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if your child has whooping cough, best to take them to the doctor. Ray is Hollow Today because it's out in the middle of a field in a quiet area and a grisly murder with occult overtones happened there, it's no surprise to learn that what is now referred to as Raymers Hollow or Hex Hollow has quite the spooky reputation. There have been sightings of UFOs around the area and black dogs with red eyes, though obviously there's no proof of this, and I wasn't able to find much more detail about anything weird happening there since the murder. <laughs> yeah, there's never any proof. It's the dogs with red eyes, uh, UFOs, it's always some half decent, half bad photo, just never anything concrete. The fact that the house didn't burn down stoked rumors of Raymer's witchy abilities for a while. However, maybe the wood was just a bit damp or the fire wasn't started in a good spreading area or any of the other many reasons why it didn't reduce the house to a pile of ash. In fact, far from being a scary haunted place, the house has stayed in the Raymer family and was used as a rental home for many years following some renovation work. In 2007, though, Raymer's great-grandson Ricky Ebar took over and has been restoring it back to what it would have looked like in 1928. presumably is to get the ghostbusters and tourist dollars rolling in while it was a creepy place anyway it's now even more so as, as he's taken up the floor where his great-grandfather was beaten to death and set on fire so you can see the place where his body actually burns through the floor there's even a plexiglass window over it now and apparently you can still see some blood stains, stains there <laughs> holy shit, dude you're capitalizing on it much i mean go for it my man but shit <laughs> that's where my grandpappy was slain <laughs> That's his, that's his blood down there. I, I don't even know where Pennsylvania is. I'm just doing my generic American accent. I'm sorry. Where is Pennsylvania? It must, it feels like it's in the Northeast because like this feels all very New Englandy, doesn't it? I found some photos of the interior of our house on a website called HouseCrazySarah.life, and the author—that's a hell of a web address—and the author writes under a photo of a rather smug-looking Rick and e- Ricky Ebar, what a tribute he is providing for his unfortunate ancestor. You say tribute, House Crazy Sarah? I say a macabre way to make some supernatural buckaroos. Yeah, I'm with you, Casey, on this one. <laughs> Tribute. Look, if I get murdered and blood seeps through the floor, don't like pull up the carpet, put a plexiglass window over it, and be like, that's where Whistleboy got murdered to make money. To, unless you really need to, actually, I'm kind of okay with it. I'm kind of okay with that. If, if my, you know, descendants want to do that, that's fine. Hey, make some money. Go, go, go. Make that coin. But don't think it's a tribute. <laughs> A documentary called Hex, Hollow, Witchcraft and Murder in Pennsylvania was released in 2015, covering the powwow aspects of the case as motive and interviewing descendants of Raymir and Blymir. It's a credible 7.2 on IMDb right now, so maybe give it a watch if you want to find out more about the case. 7.2 is not bad. Ricky Ebar's in it too, just so you know. Okay, I've looked into it a bit further, and while it seems that the house was supposed to be open for tours when Ebar took over, problems, because of problems with people breaking in, it's definitely not currently open, and I'm not sure it ever was. On the Facebook page for the Hex Hollow documentary, it says, quote, We keep getting messages asking if tours at the Hex house are available. The answer is no. Or caps, no. There are no tours of the house, and at present the owner has no plans to open the house for anybody. We would also like to add that there isn't much to see anyway. The house is very small, about eight hundred and fifty square feet. Isn't that like eighty square meters? That's tiny. Most of Nelson's belongings have been removed because of frequent break-ins. There's no blood on the walls, only black mold, and you will not hear Mr. Ramer's spirit. If the house ever does open for tours, we'll let you know ASAP. So there you go. It's sad to say that Nelson Raymer was murdered because of the cultural beliefs of his community. Everyone believed, or at least encouraged, Blymere that someone had hexed him, and then Nelly Knoll gave him a name and a method for breaking the curse. Once the deed was done, Blymere apparently felt such relief that his suffering was over that he didn't really mind being jailed afterwards. Or was this justification for killing someone? Of course not! Raymer had absolutely nothing to do with Blymere's suffering, aches, and pains, financial Problems or anything relating to him at all. The wasting disease he had cured him of was more than like just malnutrition that Blymere eventually overcame, as it was a cure that took several months to work. It involved ants eating an egg that they had boiled in Blymere's urine, which has obviously not stood the test of time as a cure for wasting disease. <laughs> what are you doing, people in the past? It would have been more effective to just eat the egg, but hey, I guess that's why I'm not earning anything as a powwow healer. Why Nol named Rhymeer is not known. Maybe Blyamir suggested the name, and she agreed, or she had her own axe to grind with him. She didn't instruct Blyamir to murder him, however, just get some of his hair or destroy his powwow book. For all his supposed witch powers, it seems that Rhymeer wasn't really that difficult to destroy after all. Almost as though… It was really just a normal man. <laughs> yeah, what? Maybe he was. Could he have been? Yes. This has been an episode of Decoding the Unknown. A oh, short one today. A oh, relatively short. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, smash that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're enjoying this in his podcast form, please leave a review. And I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old.